0: It's not just strong in your muscles and strong in your movement on the mat, it's strong everywhere. This is yoga strong with your host Bonnie Weeks. Hey, it's podcast time. Today I'm going to give you a short combo of my take on accessible language in a yoga class. And this is, you know, specifically then for yoga teachers and this idea of of using sanskrit or not using sanskrit and to begin i just want you to think about especially if you're a yoga teacher or if you practice yoga do you know what the pose extended side angle is and if you're listening and you're like why what what the hell what is that When do you walk down the street and, you know, like make extended side angle? Do you like, is that normal? Do you even know what I'm talking about? And this whole idea that a pose name, whether it's in English or Sanskrit, is another language. And extended side angle, those are three words that happen to be English. But the definition of them, it might be unknown to a person. And so there's already a learning curve of accessibility. And I'm really interested in having yoga be a place that a lot of people are welcome to. And I've heard from a lot of people who identify as a man that the Sanskrit language is something that throws them off of the yoga practice. And if you happen to identify as a man and... Would share your thoughts with me. I would love to hear them like send me a message on the gram at Carbal Bonnie or send me an email uh, hello at uh, bonnieweeks com So let me know like I would love to have this conversation more. But this idea that I really want yoga to feel accessible to a lot of people and, and accessibility could look like a lot of things, right? Like, do I have a translator to translate my words to somebody who might be deaf, right? That's a whole other class if you're teaching yoga to, to people who might be not be able to hear or people who might not be able to see or people who are missing limbs, right? Or, you know, people who are children versus adults, there could be a lot of ways we could talk about accessibility, but for this moment, just thinking about the language of using of the words we use and not even in the words of saying, oh, this is something easy or this is a hard thing, right? Because if we say it's easy, it, that's it's very subjective, right? Easy for me might not be easy for you and vice versa And and hard. It could be the same. I mean, if we're gonna sit and you know hold a lunge position for a fair amount of time, and do a bunch of single leg balancing directly following that, I mean, going to, it's gonna it's gonna be hard. And there's gonna be some quad burn. There's gonna be some ankle burn. Maybe some calf, the bottom of our feet. So we can call out those. This might be difficult right now, right? So there could be that kind of language, but then to take it into sanskrit and and should and this conversation that i've heard a lot of people who say you know not to use sanskrit or or appropriation of of sanskrit within the yoga context and i truly believe that i teach yoga and does it look like yoga who that began as a seated practice that's what the definition of definition of yoga was and was it practiced by white people in oregon no like none of it, like it's all very, very different from that. But you do believe that the limbs, the A-limbs of, of yoga, like mean something. And and that the asana practice, meaning the asana is is the postures, right? That the an asana is actually a seat. Like that's what you translate that word into. Like it's a seat a seated, you know, and, and, and even then you're like, well, it's not a seated practice, but you're funny And I've heard it often said like Asana, like it's a seat in yourself. Okay, sure. But like it's a seat. And, and so really to even say like, it's a movement practice to even take out the word Asana, this is a movement practice. And does taking out the Sanskrit words, strip it of its origins? Cause there's some people that think no, no white people should you know, use Sanskrit, but then we could use Sanskrit as a language learning tool, right? So there's so many different conversations here. But what it really comes down to for me is if somebody walks in the door and they don't know Sanskrit, they're zero familiar with yoga. This is their very first yoga class. And somebody says, "Uh, come to your mat and go to Urdhva Mukha That is downward facing dog. Down dog. And even if I were to say down dog, I mean, yoga is getting pretty you know, well-known now. So maybe a lot of people know down dog, even just saying down dog, it's like, oh, well, what, what's down dog for, especially, you know, the people who don't practice yoga. What is down dog? What does that even mean? So there's already, a, uh, there's already a level of accessibility of understanding, even what down dog is, let alone Adho Mukha Svanasana. And how can I, as a yoga teacher teach in a way that invites more people to be able to show up in that class, uh, trust themselves, be willing to explore and be curious if they're already off-put by having to learn another language, right? There's a lot of brain games I would say in yoga. And I often say this, I'm like, this is a brain games, right? Like if we're twisting and turning, it's brain games and learning another language can be brain games, uh, staying at the pace the teacher is going can be brain games. Um, all these things can be further deeper topics, of course so I really often use English in ways to describe postures. Now, does that mean that I only use English? No. And I really actually enjoy language learning. I think it's a lot of fun. And so Uttanasana, Uttanasana is forward fold I like to fold forward. That's it. And if I were queuing in class, and directing somebody to fold forward and then telling them the Sanskrit names, like, to give them cues to fold forward, tell them you're folding forward, this is a fold forward, I could label it then afterwards. So then it becomes anyway a mini lesson. So they already know the cues, how to get there. They already know where they are. And then maybe you layer the Sanskrit on top of that. Okay, so then it makes it a little bit more accessible. You don't have to know another language to come to class, right? Like math is a language. Learning how to write problems in math is a language, which is crazy, you know, like there's so many things that, you know, listening, being a mom with the kids and listening to them as they're in their classes online right now and the way that they're, you know, learning things and then me helping them, like it's, it's a whole other language and this is the same thing, Sanskrit's another language, the language of postures in English, in yoga is another language. And so all this language learning, which is part of the fun, right? That's part of the fun. That's part of the curiosity, part of the uh, the adventure, part of like the opportunity to show up and learn something new. Cause our bodies and our brains, they like to learn new things. It makes us feel invigorated to learn new things. So I think that the learning new things, as much as the language and the body, like I think all of that actually comes together. I just really want to make that accessible and to be a way and it, uh, to make it the easiest po- way possible for people to enter the yoga practice. And so, um, let's see, I, I was, I was talking to a teacher and they were using the phrase, um, Pada Banda and, uh they had learned that having your feet connected to the ground is like binding your feet to the ground pada means foot banda means bound and so in sanskrit the words for the poses are broken up into pieces and they have direct translations so pada whenever pada shows up that means foot B- <laughs> pada banda banda means bound so um, this teacher kept saying padabanda And I had never even heard this cue until recently. And then after, you know, I had a conversation with this teacher and that's how they had learned it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I said, it would be really interesting to have you know, that I almost explained a little bit to say, you know, this is a foot bind to the ground. So when you push your feet into the ground and think of grounding through the outer edges of both of the front of your foot all the way back to your heel, spreading your weight evenly underneath your feet, it's like your feet are binding to the ground. And so it's a pot of banda. And so to even clarify like that and, and slow the language down enough to have that be the lesson, right? It's a new connection. Of, a way for our our brain and our body to have this new experience, which is really a neat part of yoga. And so, like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm discounting Sanskrit. I think it's a beautiful language. I really love to to speak it. I love to learn it. I love to share it. Um, but I want that to feel like it's not a detriment to anybody coming to yoga. So. The other piece of this would be even the word namaste. And namaste, there's been a lot of, of conversation around um, should people say namaste at the end of their classes or not. It's been tradition to say namaste. And I most often say namaste at the end of my classes. And I often will actually break down and say namaste comes from the verb namaskar and te meaning to you. So namaskar means to bow. And Te means you. And so I've heard it translated like the light and love in me honors the light and love in you. That's not what it means. Namaskar is translated as a verb to bow and Te to you. So it's, I bow to you. It's an acknowledgement. And I think of that, you know, on this podcast, there's lots of conversations, um, you know, a variety of conversations And, and the, the, let's talk about sex series with, with Taylor, my friend, you know, I think often, and, and I've mentioned it in those podcasts in particular, but the opportunity to be with another person. And, and of course those, those podcasts are a little bit leaning towards, you know, sexual relationships and relationships in general, but I would say any relationship building, whether that's a, a teacher, student class, whether that's friendships, you know, whatever it is that, that our interactions together are a way to honor each other. Like, our, well, not a way, I would say an opportunity to honor each other. And, that namaste at the end of class, if we break it down and say namaste is a translation saying, I bow to you. Can, could I say, could I, can I totally get rid of namaste? I've heard of people, again, I'll I'll use male identifying people. And you could be a female identified p- person and, and think all of the same things that I've been saying as well. Um, the, the, the genderless, right? Like you can, you can think all you want. <laughs> but um, even the word namaste is, is off-putting for people. So it could be something. That is, that doesn't feel like it resonates with the person totally, which is why I think breaking it down can be really helpful. So at the end of my class, I can say, you know, we can be in a seated position, ready to close class after we've you know been laying in corpse pose and sit up and say, you know, it is, you know, traditionally there's often people say the word namaste. Namaste comes from the verb namaskar, meaning to bow and te meaning you. So this is an opportunity for us to honor, acknowledge each other's presence and work here in this room to honor that we see each other, and that's it. And, and it doesn't have to be that m- much more complicated. And, and I think of, you know, when I, <laughs> I, I recently have made a friend who uh, speaks Dutch, and now I, like, think in, in Dutch words, and uh, like the word lekker. Lekker means delicious. Um, a Lekker ding means it's a delicious thing and you can say that about a lot of things oh lekkerding, ding and i i think of i think lekker in my head all the time so is that bad is that an appropriation sort of conversation if i am saying lekker and it's not my native tongue and is it bad for me to say namaste if sanskrit isn't my native tongue and that there's a little translation and you know i learn spanish and and you know the conjugation of of words and the breakdown of verbs all the things like like it's a lot of fun and how I I I mean if you have some input into this like please share and but for my head for the way my logical brain thinks about it I I feel like it's the same like there's a way that the words are broken down that they mean a particular thing and so The tradition of yoga, the way it's been passed through generations, the way that it has been taught, the intention that it brings to people's lives by calling in more attention, right? This practice of paying attention, that means something. I want to honor that continually, right? Like this doesn't just show up in in thin air, like this all came from somewhere, and very much like I came from somewhere and I have great, 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 etc. cetera, <laughs> grandparents, right? And all of, you know, the, the thing that we know is very true is that things change. And so how we show up in a way of acknowledgement and honor of not only each other as human beings, but of of, um, traditions that might have gotten to us to the place. Um, the way that we can also, you know, very consciously think about those systems that have gotten us to this place. And, I mean, we can look at the world at large, we can look at political systems and, and the way that those may or may not work or serve people, right? Like just to think about it in a little bit zoomed out, a little bit more macro lens of of how can this best serve each other? And as yoga teachers, how does that work best in the yoga room to make it more inclusive, to make people feel more comfortable from the very beginning and to break down, have a little bit more slowed down speech so that we can really think about those words that we're using, right? Our, what poses do you never cue? Like on upward facing dog, how often do you cue a person to get into upward facing dog? I feel like that's the least cued pose. Um, that's my, my personal take. <laughs> and just to bring more awareness And I think as a yoga teacher, if, if I believe that yoga is the practice of paying attention, then it's, it's my responsibility to try to be doing that everywhere and to continually ask questions that curiosity really is what drives me. And how can I think about, you know, something in a different way? If I turn my perspective in a different way, it's very much like going rock climbing, like go rock climbing and you, you face, face a wall one direction, you go face it chest to wall And you can solve the problem. You can climb right up. If you approach it with your right shoulder to the wall, maybe it's impossible. So the perspective at which you turn and face a thing makes it more or less understandable or accessible. And I believe that yoga is a practice that is grounding and clarifying and confidence-giving. I believe that it's a practice that can teach you a lot about yourself. And I think the physical practice of that, there's a way that we put our body in situations that helps our brain and our heart and our soul, like feel things that we couldn't otherwise, like our body and a tactile experience is highly influential, right? You walk into cold water, your body feels that that's a little bit different than a yoga class, but still it's a tactile experience as a physical experience and that physical experience sorts of things like those are really powerful things. And that's why I think yoga is a powerful practice as a physical practice and to make that more accessible and to be aware of the language and where we use Sanskrit, how we use Sanskrit, how we acknowledge that it's a language and use that as like a tool to teach that it's a language and a way that we can all share and loop each other in on that. So it feels like we're more on the same page. I think we'll make it more accessible. We'll make it more fun and can be an opportunity to both honor the lineage of it and honor the change that it will continue to take. Mm. Again, there's lots of big combos within a lot of things that I just shared. If you have more, I would love to talk more about this. So hit me up message me on the gram, send me an email. You can find the links to both of those things within the show notes. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you can leave a review, let me know what you think, rate it. I would love for you to do that as well. I'll talk to you soon. Mwah.